What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of <clears throat> In Defense of Liberation, the podcast or show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, but until we get there, I am your host, Josh, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Um, so first and foremost, I still have this cough. It won't go away. I don't know why. I don't have COVID. I got tested, but it's still sketching me out. Um, so yeah, excuse my horsey voice and the disgusting coughs that might come. Um, but yeah, so if you didn't already, this is going to kind of be a continuation of my last episode. Um, I think it's called Why We Need to Critique Capitalism and Learn About Socialism or something like that. Whatever the episode before this one is. Um, and so, like, if you want to listen to that before this, you can do that. Um, I don't think you really need to. <clears throat> Because both of these are kind of like basic, just like introductory little conversations uh, to get folks interested who otherwise, you know, might not be. Um, Or just, you know, for listeners who are just tuning in to not feel like they're jumping right into the deep end. Um, But I really have had it in my mind for a while now how incredible it is that so few people question the way that we live our lives. Um, Whether that's, you know, having to go to work every day in order to afford your bills, um, whether that's having to pay for health care in the world's richest country, if that's, you know, being houseless or... Well, I, I feel like people who are houseless don't not question the system. Um, and that's kind of my point is that like more often than not, we see the most oppressed people so able to, as soon as it might be articulated in the right way, be able to understand socialism, why we need it, why capitalism isn't good and things like that. However, For folks in the United States, it's not always so easy. Um, Because even though a lot of us do suffer oppression, that much is not able to be denied. Um, 70% of the people in the United States live paycheck to paycheck. Um, And that's not to talk about, you know, the racial and gender um, inequality that's leveled on top of that. Um, And not to mention, you know, everything else about this nation um, that makes it an awful place to live for the majority of the people who live here. But we cannot ignore the clear fact that it is not the rule in the United States, as in it is not the bar, the general uh, uh, consensus, that you are going to go without food on a day-to-day basis It is not necessarily as common for most people um, to not have some form of income 
whether that's odd jobs, you know, the gig economy, or whatever. There's places in the world where there just are not jobs. People cannot be employed by anyone. It's, you know, areas are so poverty-stricken or so oppressive. Um, And that's happened all throughout history, but it's still happening to this day. And I think also the level of repression that a lot of white folks, a lot of middle class, quote unquote, and, uh, you know, upper class folks get treated here in the United States is much better than the majority of people across the world, simply due to this being the center of capitalism in a lot of ways, especially since, you know, the early 1900s. Um, The United States has really been a dominant force in that way and similar to the Nordic states what you see is although not as you know the United States for whatever reason did not take the same exact route as the Nordic states obviously you know the Nordic states promise and guarantee weeks of paid vacation for everyone it's a law they see healthcare as a human right and guarantee it to all, um, supposedly. They, <clears throat> you know, the way they do prisons is different. It's just a whole nother environment. But ultimately, both the Nordic states and the United States are countries which exploit other people in order to accumulate wealth. It is not as if the United States is just abound with resources of all kinds and, you know, incredible genius and technology that just fell out of the sky. And the same goes for the Nordic states. They have stolen a majority of the wealth that they have, the ideas that they have, the technology that they have through exploitation of labor, exploitation of resources and exploitation of wealth in general from these other countries in usually what we would refer to as the global south. Uh, This is a practice called colonialism. In its new form that it takes today, it, it comes by the name of imperialism. But the foundation of both is A, motivated by capitalism and they cannot be separated from capitalism and two are at the same you know at their core both practices which go outside of their quote-unquote borders in order in order to exploit like I said the resources the wealth and the labor force of not their country and not their citizens. The level of repression that uh, the global south suffers, the amount of workers' abuses, the amount of um, discrimination, inequality, police and military violence, poverty, um, although coming from the same origin is doubly, triply, quadruply as intense and as, you know, immense than it is here in the United States for most, right? There are still people who suffer incredibly. 
here in the United States. Again, not denying that. Um, and I think the best argument for social <clears throat> for socialism that I've ever read or heard is J. Mufawad Paul, um, JMP, his book, The Communist Necessity, combined with Washington Bullets by V.J. Prashad, and also, honestly, sprinkle in there, Our History is the Future by Nick Estes. I read those books all at the same time. Um, Each one of those books shows quite clearly that when we discuss the need for socialism, if there are those of us who here in the United States cannot contextualize why it might be necessary, it might be beneficial to look outside of the borders of the United States look at the truly oppressed people of the world and look at what socialism rather than capitalism could and is doing for them. Um, You look at Cuba, you look at Venezuela, you look at um, Bolivia. These are all countries who have taken different routes and different approaches to creating socialism, to building socialism within their countries. Now, I know that there are a lot of white United States-based or European-based leftists who like to critique these governments and for some reason they choose to listen to, you know, Reuters or CNN or, you know, the Herald, New York Times, all sources that come from the same points of propaganda that is yelling at you that, you know, oh, we're sending soldiers everywhere to spread democracy and yelling at you that, no, you don't need socialism. You just need to save your money and work harder. Those people are telling you that Nicolas Maduro is a cocaine, a narcotics trafficker, and human rights abuser. They tell you Evo Morales is an authoritarian dictator who broke the law to stay in government longer than anyone else. They tell you Fidel Castro and Che Guevara and all of the others are, you know, incredible brutes, um, machismo, just uh, murderers, they're executioners, but no one comes at it with any kind of context or mentality that is formulated from the people, not the governments, but the people of these countries. I am lucky enough to have a friend who lives in Venezuela, shout out Felix, Uh, I am lucky enough to have met a really cool person who was from Cuba, lived in Miami for a long time. Uh, Shout out Cindy. Um, You'll probably never hear this, but um, 
And one of the things that, you know, if you've been listening to my show for a while back when it was Annoying Question Boy, one of the first things and one of the most important things that I like to talk about was Bolivia. Bolivia was one of my, like, radicalizing things. The coup of uh, the Añez regime in November 2019 um, is one of the most, like, monumental events that really for the first time you know I was paying attention I was trying to question everything and this thing happened and I was seeing so much about it hearing so much about it that you know I really dove right in and I spent so much time paying attention to what was happening in Bolivia following the news um trying to get as much information as I could learning the history learning a lot about Evo Morales and the MAS party, um, Movimiento al Socialismo, um, or Movement Towards Socialism. Um, That party and the Morales government in 14 years turned the Bolivian economy completely around, took poverty and just crushed it. And what happened, or what we, you know, conspiracy theorists, us, you know, conspiracy theorists like to think happened was when the Morales government decided that they were going to head down a resource socialism path. They were going to nationalize the resources, right? That's lithium, that's, um, they have a few other resources that are very important there. Um, But the big one that a lot of, you know, a lot of people were talking about was lithium. Um, And so learning about all of that and learning about how that ultimately seems to have led to the coup in 2019, the subsequent massacres that killed hundreds of people, the mass protests, the mass police brutality, the sanctions, the attempts to... Um, completely reverse the nationalization, uh, completely repeal the health care. And then ultimately, right before the Anya's government uh, got arrested and was exiled and kicked out of power, they took out $300 billion or, or $300 billion or $300 million uh, loan from the IMF, which now the uh, Arce government is having to figure out how to service as, you know, they don't have, they're a a poverty-stricken country in a lot of cases due to, and especially now, uh, caused by, yet again, the Anya's government, they've turned around and basically tried to eliminate any and all gains that the Morales government, the first indigenous government of Bolivia, was able to bring to the forefront for the people, for the masses. So, when we talk about socialism, and a lot of people who grew up in capitalist and imperialist countries, we have a very hard time trying to believe in socialism. There's still times where I catch myself, you know, maybe going a little too hard on the Chinese government, um, you know, really critiquing some of my friends' positions and trying to be, you know, a purist. We get lost in the world that we live in 
and we are incapable of envisioning a future or a different reality. And envisioning also in that different reality a different morality, a different structure, and a different approach to society. Um, Because we try to view what socialism does in the lens of a capitalist context, and that's impossible. Um, I wouldn't know a, a way to really form an analogy there, but trying to look at what a socialist country does from the framework of a capitalist country is always going to lead you down a path of disagreement because ultimately the goal of a capitalist society and the goal of a socialist society are inherently different. They're contradictory. They go completely against one another. One, capitalism exists for the private property and profit gaining of individuals. Whereas socialism believes in the communal ownership of the means of production, the elimination of private property, which is not uh, personal property. Personal property is your toothbrush, your clothes, your bed sheets, your whatever. Private property is property which is owned for the sake of making a profit off of it. We don't get that distinction very often. Uh, it's funny how that how intentional that might seem. Um, but it's almost impossible to understand socialism from a context where you've only known capitalism and haven't questioned capitalism and haven't come to a, a, a point of understanding that capitalism is actually illogical. Um, it is based on constant growth, which in a world with finite resources is impossible. Um, And it exists, like I said, to just continuously make profits. But if people are so poor that they can't afford to buy food, eventually the profits are going to dry up. And ultimately, why are we making so much food? Why are we spending so much money throwing out so much food when there's so many people who need it? You know, we say there's world hunger, but last time I checked, the United States throws out $500 million plus of food scraps every single year. Huh. Hey, America, don't don't throw away what's on your plate. There's children all over the world who could eat it, you fucking pieces of shit. Um, and when you, like me, grow up in the United States not only a center of capitalism, but also a center of white supremacy, a center of class society, and a center of mass racism and oppression, it's very difficult to try to break down, like, because you don't only have to learn about socialism. Because if you just try to learn about socialism, everything you hear is going to seem questionable because you haven't broken down what you already believe. You have to break down your beliefs, look at each individual opinion that you have and really say, you know, where did I get my basis of information from for this belief? Did I come to this conclusion through critical thought of my own or did I just hear the opinion of another and regurgitate that 
And if that is so, that's not always necessarily a bad thing because we don't always have the time to learn about everything. But if the people who are telling you that, you know, Nicolas Maduro, Evo Morales, Fidel Castro, Che Guevara were terrorists, they were authoritarians, they were dictators, if that is the group of people whose opinion you trust on anything else, you ought to be questioning that as well. Because a sound opinion from a well-researched and founded person or group is something that is worth regurgitating, but knowing where that information comes from is wholeheartedly necessary. Otherwise, you just take on incorrect opinions and never question them because we live in a society where opinion is equal to fact because we are told that we are free and freedom of speech obviously to us means that we can say the n-word and keep being incredibly sexist all the way into the 21st century without getting punched in the face or shot um we believe that and that's quite incredible isn't it um but yeah so i think that one thing that really makes it incredibly difficult here in the united states is the you know just inability to really get sound information and to really be able to structure your ideas based off of a sound foundation of information in the correct context as well. Um, One thing that I personally struggled with for the longest time was, you know... uh, wanting to believe that we could do something like socialism without A, having to build a violent revolution. We could do it without having to kill anyone. And we could do it without having to really change the entire structure of our society. You know, I was a huge Bernie bro for the longest time. I talked about Bernie all the way into 2021. What's up, motherfuckers? That's how much of misinformation I was fed. Um, And I believed to my core that if we were able to elect... Bernie Sanders, I would have been able to see in my lifetime a socialist reality. Now, I have since then come to the conclusion, which I hope a lot of us could come to, which is this is not true. Um, The reason why I believe this is not true is because ultimately, when you think about how much how much we are up against in the United States, but also the world, when you're talking military power, when you're talking capitalist hegemony, we have a global capitalist world market, which funds and provides the entire world with all of its resources, wealth, and necessities. Um, That is where we acquire everything that we need from, is a global capitalist market. On top of that, when you see the amount of 
power that is currently held in the hands of our oppressors, you really begin to understand how much is at stake and how much really needs to be done. Um, We in the United States don't question hunger and houselessness as being acts of violence. We don't see that the brutal police repression that black, brown, and indigenous people have to suffer on a day-to-day basis as violence because it's not coming against us. We don't think about the fact that most of us have to live paycheck to paycheck just to hope to have a home, just to hope to have health care. If we can't really come to a conclusion that these are all acts of violence, then we really need to begin restructuring how we are thinking about these things. Because that really is, you know, a big reality that we need to kind of come to an understanding of. Not having food guaranteed to you on a day-to-day basis, that's violence. That is terrifying. That could mean death. Not having shelter or not having proper shelter, protective shelter from the the weather, from, you know, uh, um, collapse, (laughs) from dangerousness. If you don't have proper shelter, that is violence. And that exists only in a capitalist system where you get homes, you get food, You get clothes and medical care from money, from having ownership of wealth. You have to have wealth in order to have the things which wealth provides, like food. That's a pretty fucking crazy reality. Um, How many people starve to death because they don't have money? When there is food being grown in their countries and being sent outside of their countries so that their government can make money to then service the debt that they needed to take on in order to have the facilities to grow the food to be able to service the debt. There's a whole system here, folks. A whole system here. And it is built on a capitalist foundation which exists for profit and private property ownership only. That is, private ownership of the means of production, private ownership of the resources, of the food, of the clothing, of everything needed to build a world which provides for the people. Socialism is a system which thinks... The opposite would be a better idea. Where if we give the resources, the proper equipment, the ability, the, the, you know, the teachings, the tools, and the freedom for people to provide for themselves, they might just be able to do that. And if instead of owning the means of production for ourselves, if we instead owned those and used those for the general benefit of all, 
And we started using those to fund programs, uh, practices, and other things which will ultimately go towards the general wealth and well-being of the masses, that would be better than just us becoming rich and wealthy. That would be better than just us, the few of us, being able to eat. But what do I know, right? What, what, what am I talking about? Who knows? What I do know is that we have a lot of learning to do, including myself. And we can't learn these things properly without first breaking down the reality that we live in today as being illogical, as being unfounded, as being clearly an improper analysis. Because the reality is capitalism is destroying the earth. Capitalism is the reason why there are poor people. Because you can't have poor people in a system where poverty is not beneficial for the rich, for the wealthy. It doesn't make sense in that way. It's improper. It's unfounded. It's illogical. So when we start learning about socialism... When we start wanting to learn about the theories of social ownership of the means of production, we need to make sure that first we have completely torn down the false realities that we have been taught from day one in capitalist societies. Otherwise, we are going to be A fucking confused B probably angry because it's going to seem like you're being told that you're stupid but it's not you're not stupid you're ignorant and what that means is you were miseducated you were misinformed intentionally so as to believe something that benefits someone that is not you that can't be your fault nobody can be faulted for being misguided by someone who told you that these things were going to help you, that these beliefs were the real truth. That's a hard reality to break down and to combat, especially when that's a reality that most of us don't question until far into our lives, unless otherwise, you know, told to. Socialism is a system that we all need to begin seriously learning about not just looking at one book and then saying well I don't agree with this so this is wrong but actually spending the time to learn the theories to question the reality that we live in today to really try to come to an understanding of the theories right not just to read them but to understand them And to ultimately begin to recognize that, wait a minute, none of this really pairs up with the world I live in. And that's when you start to say, hold on, could socialism be right? And now ultimately, I cannot persuade anyone to believe anything that they don't want to believe. 
I can't. That's impossible. You cannot do that. But I can put information in front of you and try to allow you to come to your own conclusions about that. That is ultimately what I'm trying to do with this show. That is ultimately what I'm trying to do with this episode and these few upcoming episodes in particular. I want to try to do my best to lay out some valid inconsistencies, some valid questions about what it is that is wrong with the capitalist system we live in and is there a true and real other possibility of a different reality I think there is I think there has been I think that there will be in the future and I think that we are the chance at building that but so many of us are so incredibly ignorant to our own oppression and exploitation that it's just honestly so heartbreaking. I see so many of my friends throwing away their lives for eighty, dollars $100,000 worth of student debt for a degree that's going to be useless by the time they go to use it, and they'll be paying that debt for the rest of their lives. I'm watching my, you know, friends go down roads that ultimately will destroy them, throwing away their lives for jobs that will never pay them enough, that will never give them what they need, and that will never show them that they are worth more than the money in their pocket. I can't build that reality alone. But that is a reality that needs to be built. And so we have to try to figure out together how we can build that. If you're still listening to this show, I just want to say thank you very much. Um, If you would like to, please go ahead and check out my blog, which is at forliberation.wixsite.com. W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash website. Um, And you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at In Defense of Liberation again. Um, And you can also reach out to me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. Um, No caps, no spaces. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for listening, folks. Um, I'm cutting the show here because I am currently lost. (laughs) The road that I have to take to get to my job is closed. So now I'm nervous and kind of having some anxiety. So we're going to end the show here. Thanks for listening and uh, hope to see you next time, folks. Everybody stay safe. uh, Stay revolutionary and stay together. Peace out.